this Sunday is Mission Sunday. I want to take this opportunity because once a year, we set aside one Sunday to realign our hearts towards the missions and the cause that God has put within our hearts. So once a year, we get to do this together, to realign. Everybody say, realign. And uh, we need to understand this. Otherwise, Missions Sunday is nothing but an annual activity. We don't want this to be something that happened at the lobby once a year for us to give away something, buy something, support somebody, and then go home feeling good about ourselves and think that we have done a great deal. Our mission and our cause is something to be developed. We got to develop this on the inside of us, something to be nurtured over time and something to be inculcated deep within us so that it is not an event that we participate in once or twice a year, but a lifestyle we live by on a daily basis. It is awesome. I mean, I hear Dr. Andrew's testimony. How many of you feel like you're a sinner after hearing that? Like, does he even go holiday? Does he even do anything else? He's like, mission after mission after mission. He has traveled the whole world doing mission. But, but I don't want us to think missions, it's only going to the mission field and do something and then come back. All right, I pray that through Sundays like this, your understanding of your life's mission and your life's course may be deepened and your heart's capacity greatly enlarged. And that's why the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Turn to neighbor and say, that's why the Holy Spirit has been given to you. It is so that you may be enlarged on the inside. If I can take you to a verse in the Bible this morning, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, when Paul was dealing with the church over there, he ended the exhortation, he ended that encouragement to them by saying this, God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It is an empowered life. God's way is not just talk and sermons, and discussion. It is an empowered life. Everybody say with me, say, an empowered life. And that is the way of God. Jesus wants you and I to live an empowered life. He has given us an exponential heart by design and expects us to fully utilize it. He wants us to live with the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say power. So that your heart may be enlarged so that your world may be enlarged, so that your future may be enlarged, that you and I do not just do life, come to church, go to work, go home, watch TV, take a shower, sleep, wake up, go to work, and do the same on repeat again and again without expanding the influence of who you are. God wants you to be bigger. Everybody say bigger. In the story of the feeding of the 5,000, and uh, so they have been going out with Jesus the whole day, and uh, the disciples were a bit burnt out because they were so tired, and then the crowd were following them all the time. And then the disciple had something very interesting, and I think they are chosen by God in that way to remind us that they are human too, just like us. They expected Jesus to bless them and send them home. 
You know how sometimes we get so tired about people that got so many needs and so many problems and so many trouble, we just want to pray for them and send them home. Well, it is not new. In Mark chapter 6, verse 35 to 37, you guys okay? Amen? When his disciples thought that this has, had gone on long enough, the whole day of being followed by people, thousands of people, it was now quite late in the day, they interrupted. We are a long way out in the country and it is late. Pronounce benediction. You know what is benediction or not? Pronounce benediction is like, may God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore get out of my sight. All right. That was what they're trying to mean. Pronounce benediction and send these folks off so that they can get some supper. Jesus said, you do it. Fix supper for them. The theme of our mission Sunday this year is future worth fighting for. But if I can do a slash, uh, a collaboration with another title, it will be known as You Do It. Not just do it. Turn the neighbor and say, You Do It. Jesus, when they, when, they, when they look at all the needs, when they look at all the people, when they look at the, the hungry kids and the tired moms and the angry father and the people following because they haven't been healed, they've been waiting for a miracle, the disciples say, Jesus, send them home, bless them, let them be blessed forevermore and be happy, be joyful and don't look for us anymore. Jesus say, don't send them home. They need food. And Jesus said, you do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you do it. Jesus expects us to be doing the work. He expects our participation. He expects you to sign up for the course. He expects you to be a part of the team. This Sunday, we have various angels that we've invited so that we may understand their course and be a part of their work. We have Epic Homes. They provide housing for the Orang Asli community. This is a crazy bunch of people. They can build a house in three days. All right? A proper house, not Lego house. Okay? Epic Homes. We have Starfish that allow children in rural areas access to education. We have Generasi Gamilang that provide urban poor children to access to basic needs Quality education and life skill. Our one of our beloved member Carmen works there. Come on, let's give Carmen and also General Sigamilang a big hand. We have orphan care that give children in institutions and unplanned newborn babies a chance to grow up in families and in homes. We also have Delicia that teach urban poor women how to cook so that they can earn a stable income. This morning's breakfast was prepared by Delicia. Come on, let's give all the amazing single mom a big hand. We have Havan that is turning art made by children in a shelter home into clothes with profits returning to the work of the shelter home itself. And then we have Collective Harvest, helping small local farmers to market their produce and earn an income. I'll elaborate that afterwards, okay? We have Tanma, turning traditional art made by refugee women into sellable goods to sustain the refugee schools under them. And of course, we have Bukang Liwaiwai, uh, bringing transformation to the lives of Philippines poor via education. Come on, let's just give all these NGOs a big hand. I have two purposes in my sermon this morning. 
Number one is to explain to all of us that one of the mission that we all can be involved in is that once a year or once every other year, you take some time off your work and you take a week off or a few days off, you sign up to uh, a mission trip and you go and do something like, you know, medical mission or bring a light or things like that. How many of you have done that so far already? One, two, three, raise your hand. All right, you have taken time off. All right. And that's the first idea and probably the, the idea of most people think every time when you come to church uh, for Mission Sunday, you think that that's what it is going to be. And well, in the past, it is true. But today, I want to introduce to you another way of doing mission is that we can make a difference by reordering our lifestyle purposefully. We can do mission by reordering our lifestyle purposefully. When a few of us first chatted and talked about missions work through our daily lifestyle, not every one of us can take leave for a prolonged period, go away and uh, do uh, some mission work in another city or another country. It is great, those who can, but it is not something for all of us. And so a part of, from going out our way to do mission in our city, cities around us, or countries around us, that may happen occasionally, it is not something that we can do on a regular basis, all right? We've been talking about this quite a fair bit, and I, I, I talked to Ducky, and, and then we started talking about farming. It kind of like resonated with a lot of people because uh, urban farming and farming, organic farming, healthy food is something that people like. So she told me she wanted to help poorer farmers to market their vegetables. The reality is this. Most people, smaller farmers, when they plant vegetables, they can only plant one or two types of vegetables. But because their, their plot of land and their produce is so small, they actually can't go into the market to sell it because the transportation costs and everything else will, will render their, their produce or their profit meaningless by the time they pay for lorry and, uh, and everything else. So she came out with this idea that apart from her, herself, planting vegetables and fruits, she wants to gather all these small farmers, buy from them, and then help them sell so that the profit that they make allows them to eat different vegetables. Are you with me? It's not like they can do a lot of stuff. It's just to give them the ability to have different vegetables by gathering all their producers and doing this. So what we can do as a church, we have a community of, what, 14, 15, 1,600 people on a normal weekend. So Ducky will buy the vegetable from them and then we can sell them and whatever profit that is made will be given back to them. This is not exactly correct information in terms of number, but for illustration's sake, that means she will buy, for example, a bunch of vegetables for five ringgit from them or per kilo or whatever it may be, all right? She'll buy it for five kilos. But all of us, we are consumers. We buy our vegetables from supermarket. How many of you buy vegetables from market itself? One through three, raising hand, ching, ching, ching. So if you buy your vegetables from supermarket, 
that was supposed to be five ringgit per kilo, it's now 11 and 12 ringgit per kilo. What, what she is trying to do with her team is to sell the vegetable to us by buying it directly from them at cheaper price, which means if it's five that she bought it from, 12 ringgit is what we buy from the supermarket, she will sell it to us at eight ringgit per kilo, for example. So they would have made money because it is a social cost. The three ringgit profit extra, they will use it to buy vegetables to help the poor family. So you still buy your vegetables cheaper and at the same time, you can help somebody at the same time. And so I, as we were talking and, and I love young people, yeah, the young generation is full of ideas. So you can do actually vegetable subscription. I think, I think our church are meat eaters. We'll do chicken subscription. No, 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 no. We, we start with vegetable and fruits subscription. So every week, you can place your order and you can do one kg of sawi or, or you let her decide for you so that every week you have something different. You have uh, sawi, la, you have spinach, la, and you have... Cannot be broccoli, right? Broccoli is more vegetable. Uh, beans, kangkong. So every week, you spend some money to buy vegetables for your own consumption. You come to church and you worship God. On your way out, you bring vegetable home. It is fresh. It is taken care of properly. Oh my God! I got so excited talking to her. It's crazy. So next week, you have different vegetables. You have fruits, you have vegetables, and you have fruits. Okay, all right, it's the same thing. But the point is this. The point is we get to do good while eating our food. So you're not taking leave and going out of the way. You don't have to sign up for something else that you cannot cope. Just every day at the comfort of your home, eating fresh produce, eating vegetables, you know you're helping somebody. This is just one of the ideas. The more organic, the more natural it is, the more sustainable it will be. That means missions must be a lifestyle. Everybody say a lifestyle. So we want, we, we, we want it to be something that is so natural, that is so a part of our lives. Who knows, while hearing this sermon today, some of you, you actually have organic chicken farm, free-range chicken farm, and then after service every week, people will be bringing vegetables home, bringing chicken home, bringing eggs home, bringing organic fish. Uh, organic fish? I don't know what such thing as organic fish. But the idea is this. We do mission every day, by living our lives. We get to do good while eating food. And everybody say, turn to the neighbor and say, do good by eating our food. And I said earlier, this Sunday, our breakfast is prepared by Delicia. It is a social enterprise aimed at providing jobs to urban poor single mothers. And I think this is a brilliant idea that the breakfast that we had this morning, we can do good this morning while you're eating the chicken, uh, not chicken, curry puff and everything else, you're actually being a blessing to somebody. The more mission work can be seamlessly intertwined with our lifestyle, the greater is its chances for longevity. The more it is linked with our lives, the more it is intertwined with our daily life, there's a greater chance for its 
longevity. I want to say this, but we have to be careful. We have to be wise in not falling into the trap of statistics and fame. After a while, it is not about how many kilos of vegetables that we can buy. After a while, it is not about, I don't want you to buy vegetables, buy so much because you think that is a good cause. It is thrown away rather than consumed. But we must not forget our cause of why we are doing it in the first place. Church, listen, people will always be our cause. That behind all the flashy neon lights and fancy slogans, it is the people that we must most concern about. That it is the poor, urban, single mothers that we are trying to be a blessing to. It is the farmer that's trying to sell the produce that we are trying to help and be a blessing to. So it is not really at the end of the day about how, how much vegetable this church can consume or this community can consume. And it is not about you buying vegetables and then you start selling vegetables in your condominium because you want to help the poor. I don't want us to be, uh, I don't want us to lose our focus. The people that we are trying to help will always be our cause. It is their plight, their need, not the limelight, or the Instagram feed that you can put it on your timeline and say, hey, this is what I've done today, man. I'm buying this. It is important for you to tell people about what you're doing, but it cannot be more important than the actual people we are trying to help. And everybody say, are you with me this morning? So I don't want us to just do this because we want to build big or build fast or whatever it may be. When we fail to care for these people, it is a lost cause. And so if people is our cause, what is our mission? Our mission is their future. We are here to help them craft, help them fight for their own future. And that's what we are doing. We are fighting for them to give them a fighting chance for a brighter and better future. And that's what we are doing. And so we want, as a church, to create a platform for them to have a chance to do well in life, to hear their stories and to minister to them. What are those platforms? If it's poverty, it is a chance to break the cycle of poverty. If it's loneliness, it is a chance to find community. Maybe some of them, their need, the ultimate need, is not just money, but they needed friends. If it's hopelessness, it is a chance for faith and hope. If it's brokenness, it is a chance for restoration. If it's knowledge, it is a chance for education. People will always be our cause. Why are we doing all this mission work? Because of the people. And what are we trying to do? And that is to craft a future for them. Our God in heaven. Our beloved Father in heaven is a God of the future. Everybody say, God is a God of the future. He's the author of all the days ahead of us. Everything that God has done in our lives is for our future. Faith is for the future. Hope is for the future. Restoration is for the future. Forgiveness is for the future. Jesus Christ himself is the picture of a promised future, that Jesus will come back again a second time for every one of us. And so I want us as a church 
to be future focused, to be forward thinking, to be thinking about days that are ahead. And days that are ahead that are not just about us, but about all these other people. So when we help others, we want to see to it that their future can be reordered. And it is not for us to feel good about ourselves after we do mission work. It is not for us to feel like, yay, I've done something good now. I can go to heaven in peace. No. So, everybody say so. We will keep working. We will keep giving. And we will keep participating. And we will keep doing it. Because the future that I truly desire to see is one where they themselves can believe and fight for their own future. So we are not just here to do this for our own future. We are not just doing this so that they can see that there is a future. We have to keep doing until they themselves can fight for their own future. So it is not just for us to keep buying vegetables from all these small farmers and help them sell to give them a better life. We must work to the point that they can help other smaller farmers to help sell their produce so that they are empowered, so that they can be a blessing to the people around them. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. That should be the goal. Are you guys with me? We cannot keep going to the mission field, keep helping the people, keep them there and settle there and think that I have done my part and we have done our job. That cannot be the way. It is only when they live an empowered life. It is only when the poor that never had education and got an education, when they become an educator themselves, that's when we know we have done our part. That's when we know that this work is done and it is accomplished and it is finished. Now that is truly an empowered life. I want to say this again. The more organic it is, the more missions is intertwined with our daily lives, the more natural it is, the more sustainable it will be. And I want us to enlarge our mind, our thinking, our capacity. To stop thinking just about ourselves. To just caring for our own need. Two weeks ago, during service, when Kaysen was trying to promote the conference, and, uh, and he went up on stage, he said, hey, if you have problem signing up for conference, please write to us. I will see to it, something is done for you. So we were in the committee. Of course, Kaysen is our chairman for I'm a Futurist. Please give Kaysen a big hand. Thank you. Oh, come on, you can be more cheerful than that. Don't make my brother feel like you don't want to clap or not. All right. And, and, and because we were all in the committee and he offered to help people that have problems signing up, and we didn't know about it. So after the service, I went to him and said, Hey, bro, what are you doing? Uh, why, why we do not know about this? So how, if they write in, then where are we getting the budget from? He said, it's okay, pastor. I will take care of it myself. I said, what? And because he said that in the service, Faith said, Kason, I want to join you and I want to support, I, I don't know, one or two person if there is a need. 
And uh, I got inspired, man. I like, wow, what kind of an idea is this? I said, okay, I will try to support a few students if they have problem signing up for the conference. On Tuesday night, we had our team night meeting and uh, one person just came to us, his name was Adrian, and uh, he said, Pastor, I, I may not be able to do a lot of other things in church, but this I can help. He said, I want to sponsor nine students to sign up for the conference. Come on, let's give God a big hand. When I made the announcement, I said, I have nine slots of uh, someone sponsoring our students. If you haven't signed up, you have financial difficulty or you like to be blessed, come and sign up. Man, the kids were running up, say, Pastor, that's me. I said, go outside and sign up. I tell you that story because it wasn't like a well-drawn-up systematic plan. It was an intention of a heart of somebody. This Sunday's mission, Mission Sunday, is not to draw out a big, mighty plan of how collective is going to change the world and that by tomorrow or sometime later, the whole world will be transformed because of us. No, I, I'm not here to, to tell you the next 10 years strategy. I want it to be something that is birthed forth from the inside of your heart. Sometimes what we need is not a map but a match to start the fire on the inside of us. Sometimes, you know, in a modern society, we are so sophisticated. We have all the knowledge and information. We have all the resources and finances. We have all the ability to do so many things. But still, we are not doing a lot. And so maybe the thing that's missing is not resources. The thing that is missing it's not our ability. The thing that's missing, it's not a strategy. Perhaps the things that is missing is for God to put a fire in all of our hearts again. To truly ask ourselves what it means to love your neighbor. To truly ask ourselves what it means to be a God-centered community that loves people relentlessly. I want to inspire you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. I want you and I want to help you to see your life's mission, to see your life's course, to see that you are not just here living for yourself. Church, I want us to live well and I also want us to do good. Everybody say, live well, do good. That's a future worth fighting for. I want to end by telling you this story because on team night, I shared with our team. Really, you know, in our modern society with all the needs and all the things that we needed to do for family and all that, it's, uh, it's not easy, it's demanding. But some of these things is robbing us away from a bigger picture that God has for us. It is eating away our heart. A lot of us used to be so on fire for God. Some of us probably go more mission trip than Dr. Andrew. Some of us were serving God, doing this. But there's the reality of life, the demand of our world. So we 
We want to get our little own world sorted. We want to get our little own future sorted. We want to make sure that everything about me, my life, my family is well taken care of. And so we wanted comfort. We wanted security. We wanted safety. So make sure I save enough money for rainy days. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not against you saving money. I want to be so secure. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not against security. I want to be safe. I want to be well protected. Don't rock my boat. Don't rock my world. I don't need a match. Just give me the program. I'll just do whatever it is. But the problem is, when we start leaving our lives for comfort, when we start leaving our lives for security, when we start leaving our lives for safety, it robbed us of our potential for the future. That we will never sail beyond the horizon again because it is too scary out there. That we do not know what will happen if I leave my side off the shore. What if the horizon is a dead end and I fall behind? So we come to a point, let's just play safe. Don't attack, just play defense. Let's park the bus in front of the goal and don't let anybody score. Draw is a win. We begin to live our lives like that. And this is not the life that God has designed for all of us because the Bible tells us that our God is an exponential God. And we are made in the image of God. We have an exponential heart. That is why every time you hear a story, you watch a movie, you read a book, you are inspired. And that you can be inspired because that is the original design from God. But safety has robbed that away. Security has robbed that away. So we don't try anything anymore. We don't do anything out of the box anymore. We just keep safe. We just save our money. We just prepare for rainy days. We buy one insurance. We buy another insurance. We buy another insurance. Don't get me wrong. I love insurance because it helps people. But our world is totally distorted. And I'm saying this today not because I'm trying to teach you a lesson. I'm saying this to you today because it was my own lesson. I want to tell you as a pastor, it got into me at some point, I just wanted to be safe. I just wanted security. And so, one day I met a business guy in our church for lunch. It wasn't planned what I wanted to talk about. I was talking to the business person. And I asked him, hey, at the end of the lunch, I said, bro, uh, you know, I have two sons. Uh, I need to prepare for my younger son's education. Can you, can you uh, help me uh, invest my money? I'm a pastor. I don't have a lot, a lot of money. But maybe every year, if I give you 5000 and then a good year, I give you 10000 You know, Alexander is two years old. After 15 years, when he go overseas, hopefully I have a couple of hundred thousand ringgit. I can make sure my son go for further education. I don't think a lot of uh, places, if it's a couple of hundred thousand, but I thought maybe I'll just do my part. And so there was a long, awkward silence. 
when I ask him that. And so as a pastor, people don't dare to scold you. But people want to scold you. They want to rebuke you, but they don't know how to do it. You're the pastor. So he looked at me and then he smiled for a bit. And he said, Pastor, you cannot be thinking for your kids' education. You have to think of the education for your pastors and your staff because that's your capacity. It's too small if you just think about your own child. I want to tell you, it was so awkward for me. I felt so horrible. Suddenly, I got this sense of guilt and lousiness. I realized that I had been so selfish. I went for the lunch and think of how to make sure I have savings for my own kid. When he said to me, you should think of a system to make sure all your team is taken care of. I want to tell you, I've never been rebuked so badly, so nicely for a long time. Because if I try to just keep making sure my son is taken care of, sometimes life is like this. The more you try to protect something, the higher likelihood you lose it. You know, it's cheesy, it may sound that sometimes the safest place is the most dangerous place. I'm not asking you to be at the safest place today. I'm not asking you to be at the most dangerous place today. I'm asking all of us to be at the center of the will of God. I want to pray. I want to ask God to speak to you, to touch your heart, that your heart may be exponentially enlarged. That we stop just thinking about ourselves. That we start to think about other people. Be a blessing to other people. I know you've been wondering for a long time from the start of this sermon to the end, what is this number that keep running on the screen? And as I preach, and up to this point, that is the current world population on planet Earth, 7.6 billion people. You and I have 7.6 billion reasons for us to do something for somebody. You may not change 7.6 billion people all at one go, but you and I can help to influence one life, one at a time. Church, please let us pray. Pray that God will give us a far bigger heart. That we're not just here thinking about ourselves. That when you walk out there, you see a booth. It's not just money I want you to give. It's not just support. I pray by doing that, your heart is enlarged. And don't just buy vegetable for yourself today. Pay a bit more. Pay it forward. Be a blessing to other people. Let's close our eyes. Begin to pray. Let's close our eyes and say, God, I think my heart's too small. God, I think my capacity shrunk over the years, eaten up by the realities of life today. I want to step into a place of God. I want to step into the will of God. God, I cannot just think about my own family, my own self. It's too selfish. I want to think about the world around me. I want to think about the world around me, God.